the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. I'm a little frustrated. I can't get the TV to work, James. Again? I went in there and I made myself a cup of tea. It had such a nice name. It was a mango, fruity kind of a tea. I put it in a foreign cup because I didn't want to have to wash mine out after the show. It tastes like sawdust. And it's going to rain. I don't like the sweater that I'm wearing. But aside from that, life is good. Got another envelope from the publisher's clearinghouse. Are you still resisting? They're not even pretending like I've already won. Oh, man. I'm being stalked. They just keep sending me things, sending me things. Buy this, buy that. This will make the difference. I'm not buying another thing. And this tea is awful. I can't get the TV to move, to turn on, and this sweater itches. Having a bad day. I think the the, the, the term the kids use these days is uh, first world problems. <laughs> but we're broadcast professionals. So what we do here is we put those things aside. We pretend like we're having a great day. And, and you plan to start pretending when? Have a great day. So we're going to soldier on. But James, could you leave the studio, come down the hall to where I'm sitting, take the remote, and somehow get the TV to work? I mean, there could and, be breaking news. And leave news this precision instrumentation alone? Speak, there could be some breaking news story. We wouldn't have any idea. Because if there's a big news story, we're going to break in. But I can't do that because I have no idea what's happening. Yeah, according to Twitter, there's nothing going on. So we're okay. Yeah. Yes, I'll come over. Twitter for my news and information. Well, I hope you've had a better day than I've had up to this point. Actually, it hasn't been a bad day all the way around. It's just these last few minutes just preparing for the show. It seems like everything has gone wrong. But then again, as James pointed out, those are first world problems. Well, today is, or I shouldn't say today, this is graduation season. In fact, I believe for Portland Public Schools and perhaps for other school districts as well, this is the last day of school. So I'm excited about the fact that my nieces and nephews, grandniece and nephew, will be out of school and uh, we can do some stuff together. So that's a good thing. I noted that two South uh, Carolina men um, who were twins um, were just kind of helping each other out. Okay, now how did you do that? I did the exact same thing you did and the TV didn't come on. How is it that it's on now? I'm better than you. Well, I know that. But seriously, what did you do to get the TV to come on? What button did you hit? You hit what? That's exactly what I did. I hit that same. I'm telling you, technology is against me. Something will go wrong with my computer in my office. I will have done everything I know to do. I call James in. He does the exact same thing. And suddenly 
it works. It's it's an amazing phenomenon. Somebody somewhere, they're just trying to make me look bad. I will say in fairness. Now, I'll normally, uh, you know, make point of uh, pointing out your technological foibles, but the way that cable box is kind of tucked behind the TV, if you will, you do have I to... You, you do have to uh, be at a certain angle, and I think that may have been the problem. You did see that I walked all the way up to the TV and pointed the remote at that box. You did and, see that earlier? Yes, but did you see I did it from further along? Okay, we'll just leave it at that. Take okay. a deep breath. It's going to be all right. Well, twins Marcus and Malcolm Williams of Greenville, South Carolina... Uh, they've been known to swap places from time to time, as twins often do. Well, the brothers have completely opposite personalities, but on the outside, they're identical. They look exactly the same, and they've used their um, similar looks to their advantage, as you might imagine. Well, Marcus recently applauded his brother's bravery during picture day at the high school they attended last year in a uh, uh, post online, the twins shared a snap of his high school yearbook picture, thanking Malcolm for filling in for him as he was sick on that day. So one twin was sick. The other one simply sat in to have his picture taken. My twin is a goat. I'm not sure what that means. He uh, took both of our pictures for picture day back in high school when I was sick. Uh, he posted this on Twitter this week, um, garnering more than 61,000 likes as of Friday afternoon. I guess that's one's goal in life is to generate as many likes as uh, possible. That's, that is equivalent to an actual accomplishment today. But hundreds of people commented on the picture, including a handful of twins who had their own tales to tell. That's, um, that's live, LOL. My twin got fired from his job a few months ago and rehired in my name as Ryan, one man wrote. Hmm, using your twindom for nefarious purposes. Love being a twin, wrote another. Greatest gift ever to have a ride or die for life that's uh, known you since the womb. Uh, we switched classes, tried to trick our teachers, and got each other out of trouble whenever we could. Wish I had a twin. Another woman uh, commented, uh, Noise, wrote another, switching places with my bro at graduation is like the only reason I remember walking the stage. Just in case you were looking for more ideas, kind of ruins the uh, the plaque you get, though, one man also joked. Well, Marcus told Fox News his brother really uh, sold the whole thing by changing his facial expression in the second photo. And looking at it, it looks like two different people. Um, Malcolm uh, it was known for being uh, sort of goofy, outgoing of the two twins. Uh, he was known, the one speaking, to be more serious, uh, who always had a blank face. Well, that's just how the pictures looked. A photographer snapped the first picture of Malcolm, and then five minutes later, Malcolm walked back into the room pretending he was Marcus, and the scheme worked. And no one knew up until this point. Nobody ever noticed, uh, including their family, he said. They didn't know anything about it until it was posted on Twitter. We literally wanted to surprise everyone out of nowhere, which they did. This isn't the first time the twins have switched identities. We use each other's license. We've uh, worked for each other at jobs and also switch classes, he said. The brothers just finished their sophomore year at South Carolina State University, and uh, they've sort of outed themselves, admitting that they've switched classes and uh, shown up uh, for one another's work. So I'm not sure that's going to work for them 
uh, much longer. Authorities in Wisconsin have uh, commended a high school prank, which involved a supposed car accident. You have to see the image to fully appreciate it. But Cumberland police posted images on Facebook, which seemed to show a car smashing into the Cumberland High School. It was the literally the back end of a car, and they had somehow surrounded it as the, the back end of the car is up against the wall by um, something that made it look like the bricks had been broken. Hats off to the Cumberland High School class of 2018 on your senior prank, authorities wrote. Congratulations um, on one of the best senior pranks that Cumberland High School has seen. Well, school property wasn't damaged by the stunt, which was pulled off with a black tarp, and that's how they made it look like there was a gaping hole, bricks, and a junk car and tape. Students uh, positioned an old junker strewn with loose bricks in front of what appeared to be a gaping black hole in the building's side, just outside the principal's office, the Cumberland School District said. It wasn't actually a hole, though. Using tape and a black tarp, the students created the illusion of damage, making it look like the car crashed into the side of the building, and it did look just like that. Well, the police department's Facebook post has been uh, shared more than 1,700 times. In the comments section, a few people praise the police for their take on the situation. Hats off to the Cumberland PD for having a sense of humor. People are too serious these days. Great prank. Sometimes things are just funny. Laugh people, one person said. So creative. Great job at pulling off the artistic and safe senior prank. Way to go, Cumberland PD, for being supportive. Another uh, commenter echoed. A different person thanked the department for supporting the CHS seniors in their prank. The students worked hard to keep it clean, safe, and fun. This will be hard to beat. Authorities replied. I know there are seniors who are either planning on or have already done pranks uh, these last few days as they are preparing the next phase in life. Congratulations to either kindergarten, high school, um, or college graduates. Well, a school district just outside of New York City says it uh, it's considering a proposal from two fifth graders to get rid of homework. So two fifth graders decide we don't want to do it anymore. And the school district is actually considering this. Fifth Why graders, didn't uh, I think of that? <laughs> exactly. Fifth grader Christopher DeLeon and Nico Keeley of Farley Elementary School in Stony Point say they decided to petition for a homework ban due to stress from homework because, you know, fifth graders have so much stress. Uh, the, the district was already considering how to rethink homework for district students, saying they agreed with the parents, uh, the students' points. Well, the assistant superintendent said Wednesday that officials are trying to rethink homework to make it more beneficial to students, which makes sense if it's beneficial. Uh, the district is considering several options, one of which would allow parents to ask for homework for their children. School officials hope to have a new homework policy ready to go for the next school year. I wonder if we could come up with a petition to... Um, you know, we wouldn't have to do much work here at the station. And if enough of us signed on, two, for example, maybe Dennis Hayes, the general manager, would consider, you know, we would only work five-hour days, Ooh. four days a week. Oh, I like that. I tell you what, you pin the letter, and I'll be right there behind you. Okay. Sort of. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon, even though the tea is bad and I couldn't figure out how to turn the TV on. And this sweater kind the of The TV is on now. You can make another cup of tea. Just saying. Yeah, I suppose. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. 23 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to... The Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. 
Two girls have found what authorities say is a World War I-era practice bomb while swimming in a lake in Michigan. It wasn't Lake Michigan. It was in Flint. Um, but the 10-year-old and 9-year-old were searching for items below the surface of the Lobdell Lake on Tuesday when Paige felt something unusual. Well, the girls and Sage mother dragged the three-foot-long, one-meter-long uh, mystery um, from the murky water. Paige says they were excited at first, but then got worried. She says she was so scared it might explode. Well, the lake is in uh, Janice County, Argentine Township. That's about 45 miles northwest of Detroit. Uh, according to the township police sergeant, they say the Michigan State Police bomb squad came out, drilled a hole in it, but nothing but mud came out. So it was perfectly safe. But what a what an amazing find, especially from World War One. So this nine and 10 year old had a history moment, I suppose, as their mom explained what it was. And they learned that it wasn't uh, a danger any longer. Well, a man who was accidentally shot by a backflipping FBI agent in a Colorado nightclub said he thought someone had set off a firecracker before realizing there was blood oozing from his leg, an incident he still is shocked to consider. Well, Tonis Reddington was the Mile High Spirits distillery and tasting room early on Saturday morning when he was struck by a bullet in his left leg. He told ABC's Good Morning America he was sitting at a picnic table there when a loud bang rang through the area. He sat down at uh, one of those picnic tables. He heard the bang, thought it was a firecracker, and was uh, rather put out that someone would bring one into the facility. He added, then I looked down at my leg to see some brown residue. I'm still thinking it's a firecracker. All of a sudden, from the knee down, my leg became completely red. And that's when uh, it clicked in his head. He had been shot. Well, the bizarre incident unfolded when an off-duty FBI agent broke out. Uh, into a dance routine. So I suppose the FBI has to, you know, break into a dance every once in a while. Uh, did a backflip that caused his gun to fall out of his waistband holster. So the guy's in a club wearing his gun in a holster, does a black uh, backflip. It falls out, shoots a guy. Well, the agent was seen on video um, taken by a patron grabbing his gun, which uh, then discharged. Denver police said, an unintended discharge occurred when the agent, who was not uh, identified, retrieved his gun. Uh, the person who was shot re re uh, called blacking out, uh, and someone called 911. It's not clear uh, what the outcome will be. Police interviewed the agent after the shooting before realizing he was an FBI supervisor. Uh, the Denver D Police Department's homicide unit is investigating, and charges filed will be determined by the district attorney's office. I mean, is that... Just the oddest thing. It seems like something out of a movie well, or a TV what show. FBI I mean, agent would come in with their gun, their gun holstered, and then engage in that kind of vigorous dancing, and your your weapon is discharged. I don't know. It kind of reminds me back in the nineties, and I think it only lasted like two, three episodes or whatnot. They made a big deal about it at the time. There was this uh, uh, on ABC. I think it was a cop musical show called Cop Rock. Oh, I this, remember the name of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Th this seems like this would have been a scene in that. Yeah, at least. Well, I know that you're already married, um, but a New Jersey-based yes, pizza chain is offering um, couples the chance to be the first to sport some unusual new accessories, a pizza bouquet and boutonniere. Now... There's always renewing one's vows. Hmm. <laughs> Villa Italian Kitchen. They announced that they're uh, holding a contest for engaged couples. They're going to receive a, the pizzeria's bouquet and boutonnieres, plural, 
uh, for use in their wedding. The floral-esque arrangement, they're made of pizza dough, mozzarella cheese, tomatoes, and pepperoni, just the thing you want to hold up against your white wedding gown. The restaurant said it enlisted the help of New York food stylist Jesse Bearden to handcraft each piece. The pizza chain says uh, eateries, which can be submitted, or rather entries to the eatery, can be submitted on their website, and it's open through the 15th of June, but participants must have their weddings planned uh, prior to September 30th to take advantage of, uh, of having one. I can't even imagine a bouquet made out of pizza. Again, pepperoni. I can't imagine one lasting for long, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. A Virginia man has uh, slurped down 40, that's four zero, 40 dozen oysters to claim victory at this year's World Oyster Eating Championship in New Orleans. Could you say that again three times fast? Four. <laughs> World Oyster Eating Championship. Anyway, the um, the Times-Picayune reports Darren Breeden ate 4,480 oysters. Um, oh, my goodness. In eight minutes in the Oyster Festival event. 480 oysters in eight minutes. That just makes me sick thinking about it. About 4,000 South Louisiana oysters were prepared and, sh- and uh, shuttled tray by tray to a table laden with hot sauce beverages and um, seven contestants uh, they hunched over the checked tablecloth as judges in striped shirts kept careful count turning over a new number with each dozen consumed uh, as time ran out Breeden stretched his stomach which would soon be um, encircled by the oyster festooned championship belt which is kind of peculiar in and of itself defending champion Michelle Lesko Michelle of Arizona won second place with 27 dozen oysters, while New Orleans native Adrian Morgan came in third with 26 dozen. I can't even imagine eating three, let alone dozens of them. 480 oysters, the winning number. Wow. That is a lot of oysters. I guess the question is, what did second place wind up with? I don't know what the prize was, but... um... It says the second place winner ate 27 dozen. 27 dozen. And third place, 26 dozen. That's, it's competitive. Yeah, it's It's not like is. he ran off with the thing, really. Nope. Ugh, feeling a little nauseous. Shall, shall we take a break and allow our stomachs to kind of recombobulate? That might be a good idea. I thought so. I'll drink this really bad tea. 30 minutes after 4 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. 34 minutes after 4 o'clock. That's the time. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon. Well, a man who says a Big Mac is his uh, perfect food has now eaten 30,000 of them. These are Big Macs from McDonald's. This one is a biggie for me, retired prison officer Don Gorski, apparently being a prison guard, drove him to it as he reached the culinary milestone in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. It was something he had uh, been looking forward to, according to local media. According to the uh, uh, local reporter, the 64-year-old Big Mac maniac gave a half-hour presentation to a crowd that gathered to watch him consume the milestone meal. He scoffed. Uh, the all-beef patty with special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, and onions on a sesame seed bun at a restaurant where he had his very first. The outlet at Military Road was the only one in Ford uh, uh, Fond du Luc, the 
community where he uh, began his nutritional adventure shortly after getting his driver's license in 1972. In Morgan Spurlock's 2004 documentary, Supersize Me, he explained, as soon as I uh, got my first car, this was the first place I came. The first day I came here, I ate nine Big Macs. Uh, It was like uh, I couldn't get enough hamburger at that time. Well, Mr. Gorski, who proposed to his wife under the Golden Arches in a McDonald's car park, said people like to see proof of his consumption. To that end, he keeps thousands of receipts, sandwich wrappers and containers. Obsessed. Uh, But while he has uh, lots of detail to document his obsession, he did lose about 7,000 styrofoam cartons in a tornado back in 1990. And yes, he had 7,000 cartons. They were all over the place, he said. According to the McDonald's website, there are 540 calories in a Big Mac, 28 grams of fat. The NHS advises if you currently eat more than 90 uh, grams cooked weight of red and processed meat a day, the Department of Health advises you that you cut down to 70 grams, which is the average daily consumption in the U.K., Well, as for Mr. Gorsk, uh, it doesn't bother him if people joke about his diet. People make fun of me, but it never bothered me, he said. At my my last medical checkup, I had low cholesterol and my blood pressure was perfect. Explaining his dietary choices, he wrote in a, a book that everything about eating Big Macs every day was perfect. I never had to cook. It was fast and ready within minutes after I left work every day. I never had a craving for something different. I had found my perfect food. The stress of having, a, having to eat a non-McDonald's meal was over. And while he has consumed almost two Big Macs every day on average, with approximately 90% of his solid diet probably coming from them, there have been blips. No Big Mac happened on August the 13th of 1994, he wrote in his book. I didn't know it was possible to drive 600 miles and not see a McDonald's, but apparently it was true. Another burgerless day was when his mother died in 1988 after she requested I not eat a Big Mac on that day in remembrance of her. So he didn't. The Big Mac connoisseur is dismissive of other burger chains, saying he has only eaten one Burger King Whopper. And that apparently was enough. Well, if you faithfully read food labels, you've probably come across ingredients you can't pronounce, let alone describe. Well, according to Crystal Cruz, who's a reporter, many of our food favorite um, snacks contain such bizarre things as bug parts, and there are other odd additives lurking in the food. Instant noodles, soft drinks, frozen entrees, they're fast, cheap, and easy. You know, kind of like the Big Mac. Just know that many of your favorite foods are filled with items you would never suspect, and most likely things you wouldn't knowingly put in your mouth. Dr. John Schwartzberg of Berkeley School of Public Health recently examined the smorgasbord of foods, all containing weird, shocking ingredients. He asked uh, mom and daughter, Juliet and Rosie, to play along with um, what is it game. First up, shredded cheese. It contained powdered cellulose. Well, cellulose is a plant product, and it's made from a variety of plants, including, of course, wood, Schwartzberg points out. Cellulose keeps your cheese from clumping. The more cellulose you put in, uh, and it's very cheap to make, the more money you make. In some frozen burritos, snacks, and pizzas, there's a product called L-cysteine, an amino acid. But it's not just any amino acid. This particular amino acid is made from hair or duck feathers. It's used as a dough conditioner to improve the texture. Duck feathers. Blah. Well, then there's carmine. An ingredient often found in some red juices and yogurt. Carmine is a natural red food dye made by boiling insects, cochineal insects. If they're ground up, uh, it makes a beautiful red dye. 
then you get the granulated sugar. What makes it so sparkly white? Well, some brands you charred animal bones or bone char, as they call it. Uh, when it comes to alcohol, you might uh, want a, a glass about now. Well, maybe not. Or maybe not. Uh, in some uh, wines and some beers, makers use a special filtration process called glass. Um, it's made from the bladders of bony fish. Well, if you haven't yet lost your appetite, how about those shiny little jelly beans? On the label, it says confectioner's glaze. And what is that? It's shellac made specifically from insects in Asia. The same shellac as in wood finish. Well, Schwartzberg says all the ingredients are legal. The FDA uh, classifies them as generally recognized as safe. Generally. (laughs) Well, I know you're a a baseball fan, James Blinn, but Boston Red Sox fans caused quite an unusual delay in the game on Wednesday night in the seventh inning against the Detroit Tigers. Fans using their cell phone lights during the Tigers uh, at bat uh, were apparently distracting the batters during the inning. Well, Tigers player Nick something alerted umpire Mike DeMuro about the lights, which prompted them to uh, come to try to get them to stop. Um, You ever tried to hit uh, with a light that's shining in your face? Now, you wouldn't think that a phone light would make that much of a difference if you're uh, up at bat or if you're pitching in a game. But apparently they stopped the game to get people to take their cell phone lights off so they could proceed. The fans are just having fun, says one player. But uh, when it's uh, dead center field, your hitters are looking right into it. It's dangerous. Um, If you've ever been uh, trying to hit a light with a light in your face, uh, says one of the players. Did you hear anything about this? I know you're a baseball fan. I heard a little bit about it, and I'm just uh, following up on it now. It's it's kind of, I mean, one of the things about Fenway is it's probably because of its age and the fact that it was built in a city block uh, back in, you know, back in the 20s, uh, that it, uh, the fans are closer than they would be at the average stadium than if, say, if you're at Safeco Field in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at, at at the picture that I'm looking at, I would be distracted by this. It's not that it's shining right in your eyes. It's like all of a sudden nighttime has come to the crowd and there are stars everywhere. Yeah, kind of a twinkling. Yeah, it. It. I would say that, yeah, he's, it's a legitimate gripe. Yeah, they actually stopped the game and tried to get people to turn their phones off. I mean, just another thing that phones can do one never imagined. Well, this would have been an interesting um, autocross. A British transportation technology company has developed wheeled, remote-controlled traffic cones that can move themselves into position. Uh, the emphasis behind the design from its costain is, uh, is to improve the safety of work zones uh, set up on busy roads while speeding up the uh, tedious job of setting them up. You know, somebody has to stand there and move them into traffic. Well, the cones are controlled by an app that can be used to uh, move them from Uh, the side of the road to the middle of the road or wherever they're needed, then back when the workers have left for the day. Well, according to the Federal Highway Administration, 765 people, including 143 road workers, died in work zone accidents in the U.S. in 2016. The price of each one of these cones is estimated at about $125, but the uh, the report is that their built-in GPS positioning system can be used to track them down if they are stolen. So, that sounds like a pretty good deal. The cones uh, debuted in uh, at the Chettleham Science Festival and will be evaluated by highway authorities before they're tested on public roads, according to The Sun. So kind of an interesting thing. You're driving down the road and suddenly one of these cones makes its way into your lane 
alerting you that no work is about to take place. You need to get over. I'd probably be a little freaked out, but I suppose it's also a very good, um, very good system. Okay, we're we're approaching summer, and doesn't feel are, like it today. No, it doesn't, and it won't tomorrow either. But this is a season when people go to common areas to enjoy a little time in the water and the sun, have a bit of fun. Well, social media users were horrified following a viral video that showed a woman shaving her legs at a public pool in Florida. Now, she wasn't just sitting on the side of the pool. She was actually in the pool. I've seen this video, yes. Seated on the steps with her legs dangling in the water. The video showed an unidentified woman sitting at the edge of the pool, shaving her legs as children swam nearby. The children didn't appear to notice the quick shave. They probably weren't familiar with what she was doing. The people who captured the moment on video were heard saying, oh, my goodness, this woman is shaving in the pool. I hope she doesn't. um, Well, the woman uh, was heard saying, I hope she doesn't, you know, put the soap and whatever other substance she was using into the water, which, of course, she did. Well, fortunately, the video was cut off. Uh, Eventually, it uh, was uploaded to Reddit on Monday, where it received about 5,500 upvotes and 1,600 comments. The post was later locked, which um, barred people from adding additional comments. However, of course, this happened in Florida, um, where apparently people don't care what they do in the pool, or at least person doesn't care what she does. In the pool, I've never seen anything quite like that. I know a lot of stuff happens in the pool that you don't really want to think too deeply about, but that yeah, uh, I mean, there's there's some things you're better off not knowing. But that yeah. that was among the more disturbing things I've seen. I saw, I think I probably saw it on Tuesday of this week, and it yeah, was like oh, hair clippings floating in the pool along with everything else, which is why it's so heavily chlorinated that you can barely stand it. Yeah, it's uh, you pretty much need goggles now to be able to open your eyes underwater in a pool and. Yeah, well, there's nothing the to reason. put over your mouth. <laughs> that's the other thing, you know, but I guess the price you pay for having a bit of fun. Well, experts, by the way, are now saying we all shower too much. After that story, I'm thinking, no, I'm not sure we shower enough. And some things should be done while showering. Just a little note. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on a fun, rather wet Friday afternoon. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 49 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, you know, there are some things that you need to tell people. Don't do this because it's not safe for you. There are other things one would assume you would already know. Well, Hawaii's Kilauea volcano may be generating a lot of heat from bright orange lava and volcanic vents on the big island, but don't even try to treat it like the biggest campfire and roast marshmallows over it. Someone felt the need to actually make that point. As the volcano continues to spew lava, clouds of ash, and deadly lays, as they call it, the U.S. Geological Survey has been providing constant updates on Twitter on the status of the lava and the ash clouds. The agency has also been replying to questions from other users about the science behind the ongoing eruptions, all types of questions. On Tuesday, Twitter user wrote, Is it safe to roast marshmallows over volcanic vents? Assuming you had a long enough stick, that is, or would the resulting marshmallows be poisonous? Huh. Well, they actually replied back. Um, uh, we're going to have to say, no, that's not safe. Please don't try it. Who would have thought that? 
Who would have wanted to stand close enough where that was even a possibility? Well, the agency said that if a volcanic vent is emitting a lot of sulfur dioxide or hydrogen sulfide, any marshmallow that would uh, get roasted would taste bad, not to mention be bad for you. Any sulfuric acid in the air that could come in contact with sugary marshmallows, including volcanic smog or VOG as they call it, would create a pretty spectacular reaction. So they gave a pretty extensive uh, answer. Scientists have uh, said... Uh, Higher sulfur sulfur dioxide emissions recorded at the volcanic vents in recent days are creating the potential for heavier-than-usual VOG. So far, trade winds have uh, been mostly blowing the gray haze offshore. The cracks in the ground aren't just emitting heat, though. They're also eerie blue flames and hot lava burns vegetation on the uh, big island as it goes. But no marshmallows. So I know that um, you were wondering about that, James. I thought I would just let you know. Well, yeah, I, I, I was. I admit it. Well, toy maker Hasbro, they announced that they have trademarked one of the most recognizable aspects of one of its most iconic products, the smell of Play-Doh. The Pawtucket, Rhode Island company announced on Friday that the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office has officially recognized the distinctive Play-Doh smell as a registered trademark of the brand, which uh, first hit stores in 1956. The odor is described by Hasbro as a sweet, slightly musky vanilla-like fragrance with a slight overtones of cherry and the natural smell of a salted wheat-based dough. That's exactly what I thought. The scent I've of, been trying to describe it for years. Well, there you have it. The scent of Plato, uh, Play-Doh compound has always been synonymous with childhood and fun, says a senior vice president of the global marketing for the Play-Doh brand. By officially trademarking the iconic smell, we are able to protect an invaluable uh, point of connection between the brand and fans for years to come. I, I guess it was important. Yeah, I, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, my, uh, my daughter had her birthday party for her third birthday last weekend. You might you, you might have heard about it. Yeah. Um, and one of the gifts that she got was something involving Play-Doh. Wow. And so it was the first time to have Play-Doh in the house in a very, very long time. And so she, uh, after the party, some, some point that afternoon, came up to me with Play-Doh and said, open it. To which I said, what do you say? Please. Uh I opened it, and I have to admit, the first thing I did was I took a whiff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to smell it and see if it still smelled the same. It's the smell of childhood. It really is. I mean, all these memories come flooding back, and it is distinctively, I, I, I literally said out loud, yep, that's Play-Doh. Did you ever eat Play-Doh? If I did, I don't recall doing so. I remember um, paste. I don't remember Play-Doh so much. And, I, and within about a half hour, the uh, she was walking around with a bit of it in her hand, and she just kept sniffing it. So I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, I I guess I kind of understand why they might want to protect that. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, a Florida pet owner said her uh, African gray parrot's latest obsession is Amazon's Alexa. And she's been using it to terrorize the house. Well, the owner of Petra, an African gray Congo parrot, learned to operate the Alexa in her owner's Echo smart speaker and has taken to ordering the virtual assistant to operate the lights at unusual hours. First, uh, you're like half awake and like, Was that a dream? Did that just happen? Petra's owner said, all day, every day, it's all lights on, all lights off. Well, videos posted on Petra's YouTube account, Petra the Berg apparently has a YouTube account, um, show her operating Alexa and showing a clear preference for the Amazon assistant over her owner's own um, Google Home 
uh, option. Alexa, I love you, Petra says in one video. Petra's owner said the four-year-old parrot can speak more than 300 words and is now learning how to use the Google Home despite her preference for Alexa. And then there's this, Mama, Dada, Alexa. It's not a classic baby's first word, but it was one-year-old Joe Brady's pick. The British baby was trying to activate Amazon's virtual assistant. Parents Lottie Ledger and Mark Brady uh, tell um, the local news agency. Joe was introduced to the device when he was an infant at his grandparents' home. Uh, It was one of the few things he could get a reaction from at that time. Alexa would say, sorry, I didn't get that. Well, Joe heard his parents ask Alexa for help and soon followed suit. One day, he managed it. He thought it was funny at first, so we encouraged it. He actually said Alexa before he said mom or dad. But Joe, who's now 18 months old and has a wider vocabulary, is actually more interested in traditional toys for tots now. He's obsessed with cars and all kinds of stuff at the moment. He doesn't really bother with Alexa anymore. But wouldn't you be just a smidge disappointed if the first word out of your son or daughter's mouth wasn't mama or daddy but rather alexa i mean you know on on one hand it's you know it it's not what you want to hear as a parent on the other hand i mean it's a much tougher word to say than yeah. mama or dada yeah i mean do, do, we have we have one of them as well i'll be along with the weekly debates should we keep the thing plugged in or not uh but um are, you know, Verity's three, and I mean, she says a lot. She speaks a lot. She can, you know, sentences, conversations, etc. She can still not say Alexa well enough that the device recognizes it. So that's really impressive. Well, it is impressive. And she could say some weird long words, too, but she cannot. It's, it's still Alessa. Yeah. The thing is, in your household, you're not hearing mama and daddy unless they're saying, say mama, say daddy. But you are hearing other adults say Alexa, so it becomes more familiar, apparently, with this little tyke. Um, I'm not sure how common that is, but parents are a little disappointed and amused by it all at the same time. Well, one mother's effort to honor her young children went terribly wrong when the tattoo she got of her son's name was spelled incorrectly. So she took what some might call an unusual approach and named her son after the tattoo. Kevin, the two-year-old son of Johanna Sandstrom of Sweden, was renamed Kelvin after a tattoo artist um, inked the wrong name on her arm. So his name was Kevin. It was misspelled on her tattoo. So she renamed her son. I said I wanted the names of my children tattooed on me, and I gave the artist their names, she said, according to The Independent. The artist drew the design, and I didn't ask anything about the spelling, so I didn't give it any more thought. If you're putting names or words, you need to give it a little more thought. The mother who also got the name of her daughter, Nova, tattooed, not misspelled, said when she got home and saw the tattoo, her heart stopped and thought she was going to faint. When she returned to the tattoo shop, Uh, She claims the tattoo artist laughed and said the only thing he could do to fix the situation was to give her a refund. She said that after realizing it would um, take several treatments to remove the tattoo, she and her husband decided the easiest fix was to change their son's name instead. Wow. I'd never heard the name Kelvin before, she said. There isn't anyone who uh, names their kid Kelvin, although it is certainly a name. So when I thought more about it, I realized that no one else has this name. Well, she'll be surprised to learn that other people do. Um, it became unique. Now we think it's better than Kevin. 
Well, Sandstrom told the newspaper she'll uh, make sure to check 10,000 times before she gets the name of her third child, Freesia Tattooed, F-R-E-J-A, because who knows what they might end up naming that child should the tattoo artist get it wrong. A highly social panda, a giant panda, in fact, uh, out for a stroll, surprised and delighted residents of a town in southwestern China province of Sichuan. The panda was first spotted wandering among houses there in the county on Thursday, seemingly in search of food. She strolled beside a vegetable garden, trotted across a dirt road, climbed a tree, seemingly unfazed by the attention she drew from a large group of onlookers. Researchers at the China Conservation and Research Center for the Giant Panda confirmed that the panda was, in fact, Zhen Zhen, an 11-year-old female raised in captivity and recently released into the wild as part of a special breeding project. Well, after allowing her several hours to explore, researchers returned her to the um, the panda base by mid-afternoon. When she's in an amorous mood, we let her out of the enclosure, hoping that she will mate with the wild pandas. Apparently, there were other things more interesting. Jen Jen was set free uh, in an area not far from where she ha- had been found roaming uh, in March. Freed pandas sometimes wander into settlements near the reserve. Back at the panda base, Zhen Zhen will be looked after by staff members, optimistic that she may already have mated. We're not only ex- we're not exactly sure whether Zhen Zhen has mated with wild pandas, so we just assume she already did, and we'll have to take good care of her, hoping she'll surprise us. So, the rare animals are uh, China's unofficial national mascot and live mainly in that province. It's a bamboo-covered mountainous area. More than 1,800 are estimated to exist in the wild, where they are threatened chiefly with habitat loss, and around 420 others live in captivity in zoos and reserves, the majority within China. Five o'clock, we've got news and traffic coming up here at the top of the hour. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. When we come back, we're going to give away our final family four-pack of Forestry Center Museum tickets, so listen up for your opportunity to win. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back. You're listening to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show on this fun Friday afternoon. We want to give away our finally our final family pass for the World Forestry Center Discovery Museum. It's good for up to four admissions. We want to give that away to caller number four. And the number to call, 503-786-9390, 503-786-9390. The whole family will enjoy the World Forestry Center Discovery Museum. Right now they have wildfires, um, the display, Wildfires Destroy More Trees exhibit. Before it's uh, gone, you might want to check that out. It features information about last year's wildfires right here in Oregon and how they impacted our area. You can also learn about fire-resistant plants in a live plant display and compare a a 1930s fire truck with a modern fire engine. Uh, You can snap a selfie this weekend with Smokey Bear. It's not Smokey the Bear. It's just Smokey Bear. A lot of fun activities this weekend uh, for kids. A prize wheel. That's uh, this Saturday, 10 to 5 at the World Forestry Center. And admission is half off. So if you are uh, not the winner of today's family four-pack, you can take advantage of half prices and a lot of uh, fun things going on this weekend. And of course, the World Forestry Center Discovery Museum is in Washington Park. You can learn more about it at worldforestry.org. Uh, but again, caller number four, 503-786-9390. That um, for admissions, the family pass to the World Forestry Center Discovery Museum. 
Well, a Canada goose settled into a right center field during a rain delay at a Detroit Tigers game, and an attempt to remove it ended in utter chaos. The grounds crew at the uh, at the park in Detroit set off two firecrackers, and another member gave chase on Wednesday night. This is a week ago. The bird tried to escape, but crashed into an LED board on a third deck and fell two levels into the sand. It was chaos. After several moments, the veterinarian who was attending the game wrapped the stunned goose in a blanket, took it to the concourse where it was released outside the stadium and dashed into a uh, nearby bushes. After the rain delay, the Tigers went on to uh, beat the Los Angeles Angels 6-1. to one. Again, this was um, a week or so ago. A California couple who ordered a bicycle online were surprised when the package arrived with an unexpected stowaway, a bearded dragon lizard. They opened the box, they got the, the uh, bike, there was a lizard inside. Well, Riverside County Animal Services said that the uh, couple, Al and Chris, who uh, live near Hemet, this is... Um, in California, uh, bought the bicycle as a gift for their granddaughter. They were unpacking the box when they discovered an unusual passenger. At first, I freaked out because it was so big, said Al. Uh, Here was this massive lizard looking out um, over um, his shoulder. Well, uh, he said the lizard seemed confused, as they were. There he was, and he had this look such as, what on earth just happened? And I'm thinking, yeah, me too. Well, animal services officers were called. They responded and identified the lizard as a bearded dragon, an Australian species, legal to be kept as pets in California. Somehow that bearded dragon ended up in the box, and who knows how long it had been there. It's a wacky tale for sure. Investigators said the lizard might have uh, escaped pet... uh, uh, might be rather an escape pet that crawled into the box during a packing process. They're trying to track down the owner. Good luck with that if it uh, uh, came from a distant location. And a shocked California fisherman captured video of an unusual sight of a Sierra Nevada foothills lake, a mountain lion swimming near his boat. Now, typically, you see an animal way out in the middle of a body of water. You invite it on board, but not this case. Uh, James Horton of Fresno said that he was fishing in his boat on Saturday morning in Lake McClure near Snelling in Mariposa County when he spotted the cougar swimming nearby at about 5.30 a.m. Check this out. Mountain lions swimming across the lake, he said in the video, and he was mad. The fisherman uh, quips uh, that it was a pretty big one, um, uh, a fish out of water, so to speak, uh, who says that cats don't like water? He wrote on his Facebook page. Well, the irrigation district is uh, warning residents of mountain lion sightings in that area, advising people to avoid being alone near the lake around dawn, dusk, or at night. Apparently, they're hanging out there. Well, a six-foot-long boa constrictor reportedly reported loose in Birmingham, New York, has been found beneath the owner's kitchen sink. Now, this is a happy ending because it was beneath the owner's kitchen sink rather than a neighbor's kitchen sink. And so many of the stories that we hear about uh, these things showing up, they're, they're not in uh, places where they're wanted. A Facebook post by the Broome County Humane Society on behalf of the owner said the pet snake escaped its enclosure earlier in the week, was last seen near the high school. The County Office of Emergency Services issued a statement telling people that they should exercise caution and keep small children and small animals away if they came across a snake. But on Wednesday morning, the reptile's owner told the local media that Bella the boa had apparently never left his apartment building and was found safe in his own kitchen. Red-tailed boa constrictors eat small mammals, killing their prey by squeezing the life out of them. They're typically docile as pets, although I wouldn't want to test that theory. A female kitten was interviewed and was successful in securing a position in the police department's feline unit. 
probably didn't know they had one. Possifer, Pofficer <laughs> Donut is his name. A rescue kitten has been officially sworn in as the newest member of the Troy Police uh, Department. Of course, it's a reference to the cat's paws and officer, the two put together. The female kitten was asked to raise her right paw as she was officially sworn in after a successful interview. She was given the TPD by the Humane Society in Michigan and will now work in the police department's feline unit. Uh, we're using social media to engage the public that we serve and to get the message out that police are human, too. We want to show we have a side of us that is beyond law enforcement. The appointment of uh, Poffacer Donut um, comes after the first candidate, Badges, was discovered to have feline leukemia, a deadly disease contagious to other cats. The police said they're uh, distraught by the news, and although Donut has been given the job, Badges would always be their first Poffacer. Uh, the kitten will be used to help raise awareness for pet adoptions and rescues and interact with people in the community. Meanwhile, police in Illinois shared a snap of a puppy on social media. This cute puppy was brought to the PD after a concerned resident found it alone on the side of a busy road, said a Bartlett police officer on Thursday in a tweet. Actually, the puppy turned out to be a coyote. Huh. Authorities added that the uh, canine was quite the attraction at the PD before he was uh, brought to our friend's at the Willbrook Wildlife Reserve, a girl coyote pup was dehydrated when found. If she progresses nicely and we don't find out any other issues over the week, they're most likely going to transfer her to another uh, rehab center where um, the pup can be close to others her size. Uh, Willbrook Wildlife Center provided an update on the pup on Wednesday. The coyote pup is still in Willbrook receiving supportive care. According to the specialists, the animal received fluids one to two times a day to combat dehydration in, as it was originally found, but is expected to make a full recovery. But that would be something of a rude awakening. Well, police were called to investigate a domestic disturbance in a southern German town and found a man arguing rather loudly with his opponent. It happened to be a parrot. A resident um, near the Swiss border called the emergency number Monday to report his concerns about a loud argument, loud shouting from next door apartment that had been going on for quite some time. Police arrived. The officers sent were sent to the scene. They found there was a loud argument going on. Yes, but it was between a 22 year old man and a parrot. The man told them he had been annoyed with the bird which belonged to his girlfriend. The parrot responded to being shouted at with loud noises of its own. Police said it couldn't speak but could bark like a dog, so no one was hurt. The officers left, and the argument resumed. Moms and dads in the United States have trouble getting any time off when they add new human babies to their families. But a pet food company based in Norway, Sweden, and Finland is giving its employees paid paternity leave after they adopt a new pet. The CEO of Musty Group must mean something else in their language, described as the largest pet supply chain in the Nordic countries, began offering the three-day parental leave on the 1st of June. The company has 1,500 employees, 90% of whom have pets. Pets always come first in everything we do, and that's why paternity leave is a natural step in developing our culture. The Musty Group CEO said in a statement, adopting a pet is a significant decision and changes everyday life considerably. We want to support our employees during their first days with their new family member and ensure that they can enjoy those precious moments to the fullest. So they're extending paternity leave for their new employee pets. Oh, I suppose that's sweet somewhere. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. 
You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 21 minutes after 5 o'clock. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, beekeepers and environmental activists staged a mock funeral in Paris on Thursday for bees. To protect against the pesticides they say are killing insects crucial to the ecosystem, some protesters wearing beekeepers' masks and overalls lay motionless in coffins while others stood, heads bowed in respect, as a bugle played during the ceremony on a patch of garden near the museum. Green campaigners say bee colonies in Western Europe have been ravaged by the use of uh, pesticides, a group in particular of pesticides based on the chemical structure of nicotine. Beekeepers in France have pressed the government to take more action to protect their livelihoods. It's been talked about for 20 years, but nothing's been done. Now we want something done. So they held a bee funeral in Paris. Okay. Was it full of the bereaved? Yes. Yes, it was. I could hardly bereave it happened. Anyway, a California woman uh, was gored by a bison in Yellowstone National Park on Wednesday. Now, how does that happen, one might wonder. There are signs. They tell you, go here, don't go there. Those signs are there for a reason. One assumes that reasonable people would read them and heed the warning. Not so for this California woman and others who were with her. The 59-year-old, who should have known better, she was from Santa Rosa, was in a crowd of people walking along a boardwalk at Fountain Paint Pot in the Lower Geyser um, Basin when the attack occurred, according to a statement. People in the crowd got increasingly close to the animal, according to park officials, saying at one point people were closer than 15 feet from the bison. The statement noted that people should keep a distance of roughly 75 feet at least from certain animals in particular, including bison and elk, and stay even further away from bears and wolves. But they make such lovely pictures. Uh, When it crossed the boardwalk, the bison became agitated and charged the crowd, goring one, um, adding that the uh, animal left the vicinity right after Hancock was wounded in her hip and brought to a Montana hospital. The incident comes on the heels of two elk attacks earlier in the month. Yellowstone officials previously said two women were attacked by elk in separate incidents, one on a Sunday, another on Tuesday, near the, the Hot Springs Hotel, according to officials, who also said it wasn't clear whether the same animal was involved in both encounters. The bison attack is the second time a park visitor has been wounded by the Uh, The breed this year, according to officials, noting that in a little over a month, four people have been uh, injured by wildlife in Yellowstone. In early May, a bison uh, rammed and slightly injured a woman in Yellowstone, according to officials. So follow the um, directions. Don't get too close. If they get too close to you, you need to head the other way. Meanwhile, um, luck run out uh, for one plucky dog in Australia that became known for repeatedly chasing a particular crocodile back into the uh, Adelaide River. A dog's owner says a recent video showed that the croc did what crocs do. It ate the pooch. Apparently it had just had enough. Well, the owner of the terrier named Pippa told Australia's ABC radio that the dog was uh, performing her favorite trick for a group of onlookers at the Goat Island Lodge when the tragedy occurred. Well, it was a tragedy for the dog anyway, not so much for the alligator. A saltwater croc- crocodile, which is, by the way, different from an alligator, has eaten a dog that made a mockery of it for years, to the horror of onlookers who captured the scene on camera. Uh, screams can be heard in the backyard as the crocodile then retreats into the water with P- Pippa still in its mouth. It's something that had a high probability of happening sometimes, says uh, one of the onlookers. It was something uh, that was inevitable. 
and the dog will taint the crocodile no more. There's a lesson in that. You can figure out what it is for yourself. A Texas man is recovering after he claims the head of a rattlesnake bit him. Yeah, you heard me, the head of a rattlesnake, moments after he had just cut it off. Apparently it made him mad. Jennifer Sutcliffe's husband was reportedly bitten by the beheaded snake on the 27th of May at his home near Lake Corpus Christi. Uh, She told the police the two were doing yard work when they came across the uh, four-foot rattlesnake. She said her husband uh, used the shovel to behead the snake, but when he went to dispose of it, it bit him. Something to keep in mind. The snake released all of its venom into uh, into his hand at that point because... uh, It no longer had a body, and her husband reportedly began immediately experiencing seizures and internal bleeding and lost his vision. The man was transported via helicopter to a hospital where doctors said there was a chance he couldn't make it. A normal person who's going to get a bit is going to uh, uh, get two to four doses of anti-venom. He had to have 26 doses. Uh, Her husband is now in stable condition but is suffering from weak kidney function. While it's rare to uh, die after being bitten by a snake, roughly one in two people die each year in Texas as a result of the venom, according to the state's Parks and Wildlife Department. Um, and they're still monitoring his uh, his progress. But again, you got to respect wildlife because even when you think it's not a danger, it can be, at least according to these uh, these stories. Well, quite unlike the monsters they're portrayed as, sharks are actually sophisticated creatures with an affinity for jazz. According to new research, scientists at Australia's University Fish Lab have found that the fish are able to associate music with food rewards, and jazz is more than more their bag than classical. The researchers trained baby Port Jackson sharks to associate music with reward as part of a study published in the Animal Cognition Journal, They found that sharks learned to go to a feeding station far better when jazz was played uh, than other kinds of songs. Sound is really important for aquatic animals. It travels well underwater and fish use it to find food, hiding places, and even to communicate. Uh, Although the uh, reports are only anecdotal, the researchers have noted stories suggesting that sharks can associate the sound of boat engines uh, with good. Okay. Uh, While the Sharks reacted well to jazz, Associate Professor Cullen Brown said they underperformed when confronted with classical music. Not sure what to make of that, but it is rather interesting. WMTW-TV is reporting that the Department of Agriculture, Conservation and Forestry said that caterpillars are wandering as they eat uh, oak tree leaves across roads. Officials said the main culprit is the forest tent caterpillar. They should finish feeding toward the end of June. But until then, people should expect to see them wandering. The department says other caterpillar culprits are brown tail moths and gypsy moths. The main Department of Transportation posted an alert for two days that the insects were making things slippery along Route 15 or Mines Road in Blue Hill. As of Thursday, the department said the incidents had been cleared, but wandering caterpillars are making the roads slippery. And apparently there are enough of them that even a weighted vehicle can find it uh, somewhat slippery. A fashion show at a luxury hotel in Saudi Arabia skipped the human models and featured drones carrying pieces of clothing down the runway, clothing on a hanger. 
Mohammed Al-Efri, a leader of the Red Sea RC team, the company which flew the drones, shared photos and video of drones carrying dresses at the event on Sunday. The annual fashion show takes place at a Hilton in the city of Jeddah during Ramadan, and a spokesman for the hotel's uh, events uh, said they decided to bring a change by using drones instead of mannequins this year. Normally they would have mannequins, not live models, for their fashion show. Videos of the unique fashion show appeared on social media, noting the floating dresses were made, uh, uh, rather made to appear as if ghosts were modeling the clothing. Now, I saw it. It just looked like dresses on hangers to me, but okay. The chairman of the Islamic Fashion and Design Council in the United States, uh, rather the United Arab Emirates, said hanging from the drones caused the dresses to lose their shape. Uh, It's great to think out of the box. They were trying to do something different, and fashion is such a creative space. However, this was not really something I would encourage or would like to see again. You lose the shape. The dress is just hanging on a drone from a hanger. Everybody knows your clothes don't look quite as nice as they do when they're on. By the way, the Miss America organization is dropping the swimsuit competition from its nationally televised broadcast, saying it will no longer judge contestants on their appearance. I'm not sure what the Miss America pageant will actually be in the future. 30 minutes after 5 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome back to the final segment of The Georgine Rice Show on this fun Friday afternoon. Well, Rose Festival is uh, continuing apace with the Rose Festival Grand Floral Parade. That's coming up on Saturday. Looks like it's going to be a little bit wet for the parade, but that's nothing new in the Portland area. Well, as I mentioned, the Grand Floral Parade is this weekend. It's sponsored this year by Spirit Mountain Casino. It's going to feature four amazing sections. There's the Play Happy Northwest, presented by Providence Children's Health. Uh, Entries then uh, reflect the love of playing outdoors in the Pacific Northwest. I didn't know it came in sections. It's actually planned out. Then there's the Salute to Service. That's going to be presented by Boeing uh, Company. It's led by the U.S. Army Old Guard in their distinctive colonial uniforms. Then there's Celebrating Traditions, presented by Dairy Gold, with major milestones celebrated in this section, starting off with the honors for Dairy Gold's centennial. And there's Play Happy Around the Globe. Dancers, marchers, musicians, they populate this part of the parade, depicting the global diversity of the region. So that is uh, Saturday's um, Rose Festival. Starts at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum and then runs its way through the streets of uh, downtown and northeast Portland. It's going to be a fun time. Also, the fleet is in for over 100 years. Vessels from the U.S. Navy, U.S. Coast Guard, and Royal Canadian Navy have been attending Rose Festival. Ships are available for public tours. You can find the full schedule online. Uh, And the military band is going to be showcased. That's going to be um, today, I guess tonight, uh, on this fleet uh, week, the concert is free with city fair admission. So if you're at the fair, you can hear the uh, finest sailors and soldiers from the USA and Canada showing off their highly polished musical skills in this concert during the Rose Festival. Uh, that is this evening. And you can also see the floats up close. If you missed the parade or would just like to have a closer look, you can check that out. Your favorite floats from the uh, Grand Floral Parade at the Grand Floral Float Showcase on Southwest uh, Nido Parkway, adjacent to City Fair on uh, Saturday. Uh, and that's Saturday and Sunday from what in the afternoon on Saturday from 3 to 10 and then on Sunday from 11 to 3. Um, 
The big Idaho potato truck will also make an appearance. If you're into Idaho potatoes, there you go. And you're not going to want to miss the chance to uh, be involved in the pre-parade party at the Bank of the West Grand Floral Walk. You have to register for that. Um, But anyway, that's a part of the pre-parade, as if we needed a pre-parade before the parade. Also, they announced today Portland's longest-running free outdoor movie series, Flicks on the Bricks, presented by Smart Park. Uh, that's going to start next Friday. Well, let's see. That's, is that next Friday, the 20th? No, it's, I'm sorry, July the 20th, so it's a ways off. Anyway, they announced uh, the movies that are going to be at Pioneer Courthouse Square for five Fridays in July and in August. The square is transformed into Portland's largest outdoor movie theater. Pre-movie entertainment is provided by 10.1 The Kink. Uh, that starts at 7, and Ikea is sponsoring the rest of the whole thing. Anyway, the, the uh, movies are going to be showing starting on July the 20th, Wonder Woman. Uh, there's going to be Coco uh, on the 3rd of August, Black Panther. That'd be kind of fun to watch outside. And then uh, August the 10th, Grease, and the 17th of August, Mean Girls. And then there's pre-entertainment before each one of those. I'm not sure you need to see a movie for that, but anyway, there is a movie by that name. The entertainment that's coming up during Rose Festival uh, this year. I don't know if you had an opportunity to see it, but the new Gerger, Gerber baby... Uh, And the original Gerber baby just met in real life and posed for an adorable photo that's gone viral. One-year-old Lucas Warren beat out 140,000 other babies. You shouldn't beat other babies, you know, at this point. But anyway, beat out 140,000 other babies to win the Gerber baby photo search earlier this year, becoming the first child with Down syndrome to be chosen for that title in the contest's 91-year history. Well, when uh, Warren and his family were visiting Florida recently, they decided it was the perfect opportunity to meet the original Gerber baby who lives in Tampa. Um, The 91-year-old Ann Turner Cook became the face of Gerber brand products in 1928 after a family friend submitted a charcoal sketch of her to um, the the company for a contest. Well, her image became so synonymous with the brand that Gerber trademarked the drawing of Cook in 1931. Her identity wasn't revealed until the company's 50th anniversary, and that was uh, in 1978. When she and Cook met, that's the former and the present Uh, Gerber babies. Warren's uh, parents said the pair connected instantly. As soon as we walked into the room, Cook and Lucas immediately bonded, the parents said. That's Courtney and Jason. Lucas walked right up to her, flashing his signature smile and waving, and uh, we could tell he loved her right away. Well, Cook's grandson, Chris Collin, tweeted a photo of the adorable pair posing together, and that's uh, what has gone viral. My grandmother was the Gerber baby. It was funny. uh, A funny bit of trivia never made her uh, rich or got us free strained peas or anything. But last week she got to meet the company's newest spokesbaby named Lucas. Pretty, pretty cute, he wrote. Well, the tweet had uh, received over 67,000 likes and 8,000 retweets as of Wednesday afternoon. That number much higher today. Uh, Ann Turner Cook is truly a wonderful woman and pleasure to be around. And we couldn't be more grateful that she took the time to meet with our family. The Warren's parents said Uh, for winning the Gerber baby contest. Now Warren's family received $50,000 prize money and the little boy's face will be featured on all of the company's social media platforms. So there you have it. Be a cute baby. $50,000. Well, he may be going to college or maybe they'll buy a house or something. Who knows? Anyway, it's a very cute picture if you have an opportunity to stumble on it. The old and the new Gerber baby. And by the way, the original Gerber baby woman, who is, uh, what, 90-something years old, um, 
she really she's 91. She really looks just like she did then. I mean, she's a little grayer and perhaps her face a bit fuller, but she looks just like she did then some 90 years ago. Well, on Monday, we're going to talk with Paul Angwine. Okay, I don't know how to pronounce his name. We're going to go with that for now. Anyway, he's the author of 101 Questions You Need to Ask in Your 20s. So if you're in your 20s, you're going to want to listen up. That's on Monday. On Tuesday, we'll talk with Glenn Damon. He's the author of The Forgotten Church, Why Rural Ministry Matters for Every Church in America. And on Wednesday, Union Gospel Mission will join me here in studio for our annual Radiothon. In fact, uh, as we are in the midst of summer, you might uh, think, huh, Union Gospel Mission, it's pretty easy to live on the streets of Portland during this time of the year. Well, that could not be further from the truth, and we will remind you why that's uh, not the case and give you an opportunity to help support those who live on the streets and are looking for a way out. And then on Thursday, I'm going to be flying out to Washington, D.C. with Dan Rice. I've been invited for the second year to MC the uh, National Conference of the Rest- Restored Hope Network, and I've been honored to uh, to uh, serve as their MC one year and, and to be asked back this second year. So we'll be flying out on Thursday, back on Monday, uh, uh, we're not only going to do the uh, the event, but we're looking forward to spending spending some time in Washington D.C. and um, trying to get a reservation for the national. Let's see, the National African American History Museum. I think that's the formal title. So I'm really hoping that we can get our reservations in for that. And we'll be back on Monday, back in studio on Tuesday. I think we're actually working on the possibility of a guest host during at least a day of that. Uh, that absence. So that's where I will be on Thursday, Friday, and Monday of next week. And we'll share the best of the Georgine Rice Show and possibly a guest host. So keep your uh, eyes and ears open for that. Just a reminder, the um, Rose Festival Parade is this Saturday. If you're planning on going, you probably already know that. If you're planning on trying to get from here to there in downtown Portland, you might want to make plans to uh, take an alternate route because that uh, does Make things a bit um, a bit tighter. Also, the uh, Queen's coronation presented by Unitas Community Credit Union is going to precede that parade. So we'll find out who the royal um, queen will be for the city of Portland. I want to thank James Blind for engineering and producing today's program, and thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.